This is On Minnesota History, a podcast based on the work of Kurt Brown, whose columns appear each Sunday in the Minneapolis Star-Tribune newspaper. I'm your host, Jennifer Johnson. It was 10.30 on a Sunday morning, and Jack Horner was getting ready for church when his phone rang 70 years ago. The fourth of his six sons had just been born, and now the 35-year-old radio sportscaster's Sunday plans were about to change. And so was Minnesota broadcasting history that December 7, 1947, precisely six years after Japan attacked Pearl Harbor and pulled America into World War II. Horner would later say, December 7th may be a day that will live in infamy in the history of the United States, but it's a day of TV's first big milestone in the Twin Cities and in Minnesota. The telephone caller that morning was the chief engineer at KSTP AM, a man by the name of Jack Fricker. Horner had been announcing the station's football broadcasts for three years. Fricker called to say that their boss, station owner Stanley Hubbard, wanted him to be down at the studio by noon. We purchased 20 Philco television sets. These are little seven-inch contraptions with lift-up tops. And he gave them to some of his friends and some of his business associates scattered around the Edina, Minneapolis area, just to see how far they could get the signal to go. Now it was time to test the technology with a local broadcast scheduled to air at 8 o'clock that night. It would be the first TV program produced in Minnesota. They had eight hours to get ready, but that time wasn't spent writing or even rehearsing. Jack Horner was told to get in the studio early and even though the broadcast wasn't going to air until the evening. And so I would have thought that he would have spent that time, you know, finally crafting the script that they'd use for this historic broadcast. But actually, in the eight hours spent before they went on the air, most of that time was spent with makeup because they weren't quite sure how much makeup or what makeup to use to to make someone not look too scary on this new thing called television. And, uh, you know, so he joked about that they used blue eye makeup, they used different colored lipsticks and you name it. Um, And they made him look hardly recognizable, he said, but somehow presentable. Homage and rejoicing, side by side with glowing pageantry, marks Britain's great... After a brief discussion of the Gophers' season-ending 21-0 upset of Wisconsin, they showed scenes from the royal wedding of the day, the November 20th, 1947 marriage of England's soon-to-be Queen Elizabeth. Horner said that he then thanked the audience and encouraged them to enjoy the Star-Spangled Banner. According to a 1994 story in the Minnesota Broadcaster Association's newsletter, the accompanying live visual was a small American flag kept fluttering by an offstage electric fan. The second local TV show came 12 days later, broadcast to one of those Philco sets placed inside a country club for the KSTP employee Christmas party. They again showed the royal wedding clips, but this time added a St. Paul police detective solving a whodunit. Horner said as the crew queued up the national anthem, 
we signed off and then raced to the country club in hopes of getting some food before it got too cold. Hustling was nothing new for Horner, who would later be inducted into the Minnesota Broadcasting Hall of Fame. Horner attended grade school in Brainerd before moving in 1927 to Fargo, North Dakota, where he graduated from Central High School and North Dakota State University. Horner's son, Tom, said, Like most broadcast journalists, my dad moved from station to station early in his career before landing at KSTP. His father not only landed his first sports gig in Moorhead, announcing a high school basketball game there in 1936, he married a fellow Fargoan that year. From Moorhead, Horner enjoyed radio stints in Wisconsin and North Dakota before landing in the Twin Cities and becoming Mr. Sports. Regular daily TV programs waited months after those first TV Horner-hosted shows as TV set distributors created dealerships and learned installation. By 1948, Horner was behind the camera for early televised wrestling and boxing matches, along with baseball and basketball games. And now, ladies and gentlemen, there he is, Mr. Television himself, your Tuesday night Cinderella, Milton Burl. Before long, Milton Burl's variety show was airing on Tuesday nights in the Twin Cities, and restaurant owners were complaining about hour-long dips in business. Horner wrote in 1962 that TV did not take very long to move from the cradle to adult stature. The laugh, ladies, or I'll tell everybody where you hit that leopard. Ladies and gentlemen. He said it was more than a national craze. The picture tube was well on its way to becoming a potent national fixture. Throughout his career, Horner would take advantage of that craze, racking up an impressive list of firsts in broadcasting history. He would call the state's first televised baseball game, and in the same year, baseball's first no-hitter. Moving now to our transcribed guest corner this afternoon to meet Willie Mays, the center fielder for the Minneapolis Millers, about whom we've heard so very, very much ever since spring training started. Willie, if all the things that we heard are even half true, you're already in the Hall of Fame. How do you like all this talk that's been going on about you? Well, I guess for every young player as popular as, as I am, get these kind of propensions. I'll try to let, let not go to my head, I guess. Well, I'm sure he was there when the Harlem Globetrotters made their debut, and he would go on to score interviews with some of the era's greatest athletes, including Joe Lewis, Willie Mays, and Babe Ruth, just two months before the legendary Yankees' death. Now, Babe, it's nice seeing you in the Twin Cities. Well, I appreciate being there. I like it very much. I've been there several times, and it's just like old times coming back again. And babe, congratulations on the Horner died in 2005 at the age of 92, four years after his wife of 55 years. All six of their sons are still alive. They had 17 grandchildren. Horner said, I will always be grateful that it was my good fortune to have a share in the birth of Twin Cities television. For On Minnesota History, 
I'm Jennifer Johnson. On Minnesota History is a podcast based on the work of Kurt Brown, whose column appears each Sunday in the Minneapolis Star Tribune newspaper. You're headed that way. Willie Mays, thanks so very much for coming over for this transcribed visit. Lots of good luck to you. Thank you.